Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 123, and it is titled, Why You Should Explore Your Sexuality. This is going to be a fun show. I know I say that often, but I think our shows are fun. (laughs) But it's going to be a fun show because we have a special guest today. And what we're really going to be talking about is a person's journey through sexual awakening. And personally, I find that fascinating. I know I've had an interesting journey through my sexual awakening. I know you have, Celine. And from the little bit I know about our guest, I'm pretty sure she has too. And so it's going to be really interesting, I think, and fascinating to hear from somebody about their journey and, and what happened and what kind of experiences, what went really well, what was a complete disaster. Like, Because I think a lot of people, when they go through their journey, they think that like, they're the only ones that went through this thing or, or they're weird because they had this experience or whatever. And so what I'm hoping that we get out of this today is that people can learn and see everybody goes through a journey. It's all good. It can show up in many, many different ways. So I, I, I really think this is going to be a fun interview. Yay. So um, before we introduce today's guest, let's give a shout out to our sponsors, Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. Today, we have founder and CEO Heather Montgomery, who created Please Me to challenge the status quo as it relates to the way people treat sex in life and as well as society, especially for women. She longed for a fun, sexy place to explore and expand her sexual desires without a backlash in her personal and public life. Yeah, tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Our public life and personal life, everything's kind of like mingled, so whatever. But it's not for everyone, so we can totally understand that. As a single woman, she didn't find it. So Heather's concept of Please Me is basically a vehicle to transform one's sexual expression and empower us to create the sex and relationship life of our dreams. So welcome, Heather. Oh, thank you guys. It's such an honor to be here. And I'm excited to talk about sexual journeys. It is fun, after all, to have pleasure. (laughs) Absolutely. And everybody's journey is different, and I find them all fascinating. So I think we're just going to dive in. So, you know, before we get to Please Me, because that's more towards the middle or end of the journey, let's talk about what got you started. So from what we understand, um, there, you know, you had your own journey of sexual exploration that led you to where you are. And what I'm curious about is, is like, what got you started on that journey? So what, like, cause you know, people have, they have their awakening at different points in life and there's usually something that triggers them to go, wait a minute, so I, something has to be different here. So I'm curious what got you started. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a difficult question to answer because I feel like it was a culmination of things that didn't happen. <laughs> that makes, you know, like there was a there's a long list I think that you know got me to the point where I was like, okay, um, this this needs to change. But I think 
I could probably pinpoint the, the fact that I had two marriages and probably five orgasms in the 10 years that I was coupled in a serious relationship, um, which spanned about a, I guess, 15, 18 year uh, stint because I was married once and then I was single for a while and then I was married again. And, you know, two things I'll say about that. Um, I'm not blaming my spouse or partner. Um, I realized that a large part of that was my inability to know how to feel comfortable to communicate what I wanted, to know what I wanted, first and foremost, and what made me feel good. And I didn't because I grew up in a very religious Midwestern family where masturbation was wrong, right? So just at a very young age, you know, I think I was five, my mom was at like one of those major department stores trying on clothes and I had a little skirt on and she went out to get some more clothes with the uh, attendant and I decided to use that full length mirror to take a look at my genitals and play with myself. And they, the two of them came in and saw me doing this at five and, you know, completely embarrassed me and made me feel shameful that I was even doing something like that. So I think that coupled with just, you know, societal surroundings, familial surroundings, um, was a big hindrance to my own pleasure and my ability to have an orgasm because I, I didn't explore my body. I didn't know what felt good. Um, and then one night stands, uh, let's be honest, we've all had them, you know, when the singleness came back into play and when you're longing for some physical touch and you go out and have a few cocktails and let the, you know, uh, the guard down and, and some sexual pleasure in, I often didn't orgasm then either. And I was like, well, whether I'm in a relationship, I'm not orgasm. I'm not, you know. And so I think, you know, buying a sex toy um, also triggered for me a lot of embarrassment. You know, I went into a store a couple couple towns over, hat on, sunglasses on, you know, got there and wanted to ask the young person behind the counter what was going to make me feel good down there. And I ran out of there with a big blue dildo that was probably worth <laughs> 10 cents and jelly and, you know, like, and, and it because I, the whole thing just was really um, embarrassing. I got flush red. I didn't know how to talk about it. And so shortly after that experience, I had a dream in the middle of the night, I guess, you know, either the universe sent it to me or my subconscious mind said, here's the way you would feel comfortable. <laughs> and the whole idea of please me was literally a download. Um, so be before we go too far into the please me thing, though, I want to yeah. back up and talk a little bit about some of the things that you just said, because you said something that I think is really valuable for the audience to hear. And so I want to repeat it, which is it's not so much what happened to you. It's what didn't happen to you. And I think that that's really important because a lot of times we think, oh, it was this, this person I met that broke me wide open, or it was this party I went to, or it was this thing, right? But really, it could literally be the fact that nothing is happening, that nothing is really going on that is stimulating you and cracking you open sexually. And I think, I don't know, you can answer this as well, but... You know, you watch movies, I don't know, maybe even porn, not so much, but like in our culture, there's this idea that sex is supposed to be good and you're supposed to be having orgasms, but then your personal experience isn't reflecting that. So that alone could be enough to, to get somebody to go, there's something missing and I need to figure out what. And doesn't that make us feel inadequate, right? When it doesn't match up, we see all this 
this is how it's supposed to be. And we hear your friends who are multi-orgasmic and you're like, why, why not me? Um, and, and why not now? <laughs> I think that was the other part of what triggered is like, if not now, when, you know, am I going to decide to live this, this happy, enjoyable, pleasurable existence? And yeah, you're right. It was definitely a dissatisfaction, you know, more than a desire for satisfaction. If that, I know that sounds crazy, but um, sometimes it's the pain that makes us move faster than the pleasure, you know? Um, so that was, that was a big thing. And I think just getting older and realizing that in order to be able to have what I wanted, the only person I could change was me, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't change another human being. Um, you can certainly communicate your wants and desires, but really we're empowered when we take accountability for where we're at because that we can change, right? Absolutely. I also want to go back a little bit to the, the part you mentioned about shame, because um, this is something actually that we work with clients a lot. And this is something that Celine is masterful at helping people with, which is really getting over sexual shame. So I don't know how old you were when you went to that first store uh, with the hat and the sunglasses and it was two towns over and all that, but all of that, right? Because there was shame there that had been instilled in you since you were a child. I can remember myself personally the first time that I went to a sex toy store with uh, a girlfriend of mine, it was literally in another state, literally in another state, not, not One far, but you know, <laughs> it was a drive, like you could do it in a day. But yeah, that's, that's the kind of concept that we had, like, oh my God, if somebody sees me in here, you know? <laughs> yeah. And how many times have you drawn by one of those stores and said, oh, if I only had the courage to go in, mm -hmm. you know, or at least me, and I was 36 or 37 to answer your question. Okay. Before I went into that. Yeah. Or to put it in context of how shamed I was at a young age and how long it took me to overcome that shame. Mm -hmm. you know? I also think that as women, you know, when I look at how I was when I was in my 20s versus now in my late, late 30s, I think sex gets better over time. And for every listener out there, every woman who's still struggling, I can't really have an orgasm or I don't know how my body operates. I want to say that you're not alone. It has happened to many of us, many women. And what it took was for us, like Heather, you said, to take responsibility, accountability for our own pleasure and orgasms and not expecting it to be gifted to us from a partner or from the outside. But one thing that I want to really say out loud is that it gets better. And mm -hmm. don't think that just because we're adding in the digits and the numbers on <laughs> there that suddenly you can't get to that places of like having pleasure or feeling it in your body. I think we drop more of the shame. We drop more of the inhibitions and we, we, we're not willing to compromise anymore, especially as women. And you're like, if you're going through perimenopause and like, I've had it, I've had it. Yeah. I was there for everybody else. Now is my time. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I am a mom of two boys. So, I mean, you know, that changes a lot of things too. You have kids, they're around and then what a monkey see monkey do? Am I setting a good example? And, you know, that all comes into play. But yeah, it is so important to your point that we as women feel empowered in this area and not like we're a slut because we like sex and we like pleasure. I think that narrative has run its course. You know, it's, <laughs> it's time for that to be over. I mean, why would we celebrate one half of the equation and in, in heterosexual relationships going high five, yay, conquered another one. 
and yet the one that was conquered is bad, right? Like so. Yes, yeah. it's, it's terrible it's narrative that needs to be completely flipped around in society for sure. So uh, you may have already answered this question or not. Uh, but I just want to go there and see, because it, it's kind of relevant to creating the story of the journey, which is, you know, was there something in particular that was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back? Like, you know, the dissatisfaction, the shame, was there something that you could pinpoint where you were like, that's it enough, I, I need to do something about this? Yeah, I think it was the guilt and shame I would feel after a one night stand. Mm-hmm. Um I would wake up in the morning, whether they were there and leaving shortly or had left the night before, just utterly beating myself up for succumbing to that desire to have physical touch and, and, you know, with another human being, if it wasn't that person I was madly in love with or planning a future with. And, you know, that came from, I'm sure, a lot of deeply ingrained learnings um, growing up. But I just thought to myself, you're a 40-year-old woman with two children you have the right to have pleasure. And when are you going to give yourself? And it kind of comes back to permission to figure out how to fix this. I don't want to have shame around it. I want to feel guilty and feel bad about myself and beat myself up. But I did want to have the pleasure. So something had to change there. And, you know, I, I, it's very cliche, but reading the book, 50 Shades of Grey, I mean, I heard about it for two, three years before I ever like picked it up. I mean, it had been on the bestsellers list and I'll say this, it's not a literary genius work, (laughs) very simple writing and, you know, predictable at times, but it, it was, you know, something I had always desired to explore being a powerful woman, being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, I make decisions all day long. I'm in control. I long to have that experience of not being in control in the bedroom. Like I wanted to be able to explore that part of, of sexuality in a way that I felt comfortable. And I didn't really find a lot of good resources that I felt comfortable either going in and exploring and or like it was giving me the information I was looking for, which was that other person who had done it before, who was a woman who said, yes, I ex- my very first experience went like this, or these are the things I wished I would have known before I entered into it. And being able to have real conversations, because a lot of the blogs had great information, but I had specific questions. And where would I was I going to get those answered? And so I went about... Um, having a scene with someone and you know I remember it was a tinder date and after about the fifth uh communication he said well I'm a dom I'm like well what is that I didn't even know what it was called even though I had read the book you know it wasn't really clicking for me and and he said go do some research and I finally got up the bravery to go on the date and we met at like a Starbucks and then went to his house and you know, he asked me, what were my limits? And what did I want? And what did I not want? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And he was like, that's not going to work. You know, really, we need to kind of establish something. And I'm like, well, I really don't have a frame of reference. Um, And, you know, at one point in the interplay, he was testing and pushing my boundaries and slapped me across the face. And I just, it wasn't prepared for that. I didn't know it was an eventuality or a possibility or a very popular thing to do when done correctly. I don't want to give anybody wrong at it. He didn't punch me or knock me out. It's very strategic how they do it and in a very specific place. And it's uh, very enjoyable for some people, but it just brought me to tears. I The whole thing stopped. I started sobbing. I wasn't physically hurt. I just was in shock. Nobody had ever 
hit me before in any way, let alone in the face. And so, um, you know, I think that when we can get some knowledge, when we're looking to explore something, just to go head into it the first time isn't always going to bring the best results. And if we can get a little bit of knowledge, I think that would be really helpful in getting more confidence to go try some of the things that maybe you're curious to try and then having it have a better outcome. Yeah. So so jumping head first into stuff isn't going to work for everybody. It'll work for some people and for other people it won't. But where you're going with this is exactly where my next question is, which is that in any sexual journey, there are going to be ups and there are going to be downs. And what I'm curious about, we're going to start with the downs, then we're going to add, we're going to end uh, that part on some ups. But I'm curious, through your journey, if you had any experiences that just really didn't work out the way that you thought they would or should. Yeah, I mean, that one was definitely right up there. Um, I was uncomfortable through the whole thing because I didn't have any comfort level in what I was doing. And then when something happened that triggered me and I was with a stranger, let me, let me add that meaning it was like, we had only been communicating a little bit via the Tinder app. And then we met for five minutes at the coffee shop and then it was up to the room. So there was a lot there in in going on at one time. Um, And so I think there's a couple lessons I learned, like don't try something maybe necessarily so new and foreign with, without getting to, know either the person better or the experience better you know one one either if either of those two things would have been there I think it would have been a little bit easier for me um and if both were there probably would have been way better outcome uh so I would I would say that I think the other thing is you know just all the way back to that first time that you have sex right how was your first sexual experience and for me, it, I, you know, did some drinking in high school. I don't know if that's happened to anyone else's life, but there was definitely <laughs> some parties going on. And, you know, when you don't know your limits with alcohol, my first time I was probably not, I, I don't want to get the wrong impression of, for the poor young man that was there, raped, but I was blacked out. I don't remember it. I woke up naked, peeing pink, broken cherry, you know, so it, like I didn't get to have that first experience. I didn't feel like I really consented, even though I probably did in the moment say yes, or my body, you know, like I was still moving, walking, talking. And I learned this, um, as you grow with alcohol that some people black out and just don't remember things. Um, and so I think that keeping in mind when you're going into any kind of a sexual experience, the more alcohol you have, sometimes it's really great to relax you a little bit and make you feel a little more comfortable, but that you still want to be able to feel and enjoy and consent to what you're doing. So that would be another one of those learning from a negative aspect, um, how not to enter into a sexual exploration and come out with a good outcome. We definitely discourage a lot of alcohol use when you're doing this type of stuff because it's extremely vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all kinds of consequences that could potentially happen. And I personally, and I know Selena is aligned with me, we feel that people really should be in right mind so that they can make good decisions through, through all of this. You know, when you were talking, Heather, I, was, I just had this thought when 
people go for the first time to a sex party, for example, because they're trying something. And I'm sure you went to some of those and that you're going to talk about this. People sometimes fantasize and, oh, how awesome it's going to be or what it could be like. But oftentimes what I tell people, and I think my first sex party, I pretty much was just an observer. And that's really what I tell people about knowing that experience. And that's what you were mentioning. We're like, well, if you have no idea about what the experience is, sometimes it's better to go there as an observer to see how do you set a scene or what does a sex party looks like? What, what does it feel like to be in a room where people are making love? All of this, where you don't specifically have to partake. You are partaking in witnessing because it's a role in itself. But sometimes taking these steps that you don't have to be everything in the scene or in that particular event, that you could just be immersing yourself, t- dipping your toes in it, that can be enough and that can be plenty of a growth. A hundred percent. I mean, it's what voyeurism is, right? Mm-hmm. So it, that's the voyeuristic approach to something new. And I think you're absolutely 100% correct. There's so much to be gained by being able to observe something and not just the act itself, but the, the people around it and what the environment is. I definitely had a false expectation of what it would be like to go to a swinger club or event, you know, which kept me from going and even seeing it for a long time, even a year and a half into the design of the business before I actually went to a swinger club. And I went as an observer uh, because that was where I felt comfortable. And I was a single woman on top of it. So I'm not in a relationship where technically I can be a swinger couple, right? Um, but everybody that doesn't know, I'm sure we'll learn there's also unicorns, right? That are w- single women willing to play ah, with a couple. The mythical unicorn. The mythical <laughs> That every unicorn. couple is looking for. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even know what that was either at the time, really. You know, I mean, it was a, a long time later till I learned the actual definition is a bisexual woman willing to play with another couple, not just a woman, mm-hmm. because, you know, usually both partners, not always, but both partners are wanting to be part of that play. And so uh, if you've never played with a woman before and then you go into being a unicorn, that's a double whammy, right? Like, wow, now I'm playing with a woman for the first time and I'm playing with two people at once, you know, that are in a relationship together and I'm the outsider, right? So there's so much going on there. But at any rate, yes, go and 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 look and see and voyeur. We even created voyeur mode on Please Me so that just for that reason, if people are like, I don't want to talk with anybody else. I don't want to, you know, be in chat rooms or talk one-on-one, but I do want to interact with the content. I do want to research and learn and, and see and dip. But yeah, I think that's really important. I, I'm curious to hear more about your expectations and then what you actually experienced when you went. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, there's, there's a couple of different things. So number one, I went to a party in New York, right. And it was a private party and they rented a loft. And so that was a kind of a smaller version of an actual swinger club in that, you know, it was arranged by a group of people who already knew each other. And, um, you know, somebody that I went with had been there before and, and had introduced me, my brand manager, and her very uh, uh, German uh, boyfriend who is very prim and proper engineer, right? And so it was all the three of our first times going. And um, it was like much like a regular party. I guess that would be the first thing I would say is my big fear going in was that, and this is going to make me sound egotistical, but let me just say it was coming from a place of just being a woman, 
that all these people were going to want to make me have sex with them. And I was going to have to be going, no, 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 no. And rejecting people is not something I really enjoy. You know, like it's, it always makes me feel bad. Like, oh no, they're going to think I don't like them or that they're not this enough or that enough. Or, and I just don't like making people feel that way. And it was, um, a sex coach that I had met that said, get off your high horse. What do you think? You're all that. Not everybody's going to want to have sex with you. Just calm down. little Kind of a thing. But the truth of the matter was everybody was so nice and so friendly. And one of the things as a woman dating and going to regular bars is you experience a lot of competition from other women instead of this welcoming and, and, and in the swinger world, it was like the women were just as excited to meet you as the men. And it wasn't your com- competition. It's like, you're the main event. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I don't mean to say that way, but really it was like, no, we're so happy you're here. And let me introduce you to all of our friends. And, and so it was, um, much less stressful and more enjoyable than I had expected, even just being at the party right? Just walking in, walking around and, and being able to explore the environment. They, everybody was very welcoming. They understood, you know, oh, this is my first time. No pressure. Let me show you around. It was, it was very the opposite, what I had expected it to be like just a bunch of piranhas that are just going to be like <laughs> when a newbie shows up or, you know, fresh meat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is she a unicorn? This is a <laughs> mythical creature. Let's all chase her around. And, you know, so it, it was not like that. And actually I voyeured quite a long time, um, in that place as a single woman, not, not even playing with anybody, but I was got, got comfortable being at a topless pool party, which is something I had never done before. You know, just the comfortability in your body and being in a place where sex is celebrated by so many people in one room. And that, you know, I think I used a vibrator at the pool and they had a sex swing and I got to, you know, be in the sex swing and I got to learn what squirting meant and I got to see <laughs> it happening. And I, you know, like it was, it was, there was a lot um, there and met, met some amazing people as well. So, so I'll tell you about my first experience ever at a sex club because it, it's, it's not as fun as yours. <laughs> so this goes back like 20 years now. So um, I was still pretty young. And uh, my girlfriend and I decided we were going to go to this sex club. And the thing is, is that as uh, a place that you had to call and make reservations first. Um, and so we did, we made reservations and it was, it was not that far away, but not that close either. So we had to drive a little bit to get there. So we get there, there's a parking lot uh, across from this is an old uh, mansion that had been turned into a sex club. We park in the parking lot and neither one of us gets out of the car and then I look at her and she looks at me and I said, do you want to go in? And she looks at me and goes, do you want to go in? And we're just sitting there staring at each other for like 10 minutes. And then finally we decided, uh, maybe we'll just go home. And we literally left. We literally left. We did not even wow. go in. Then we went home and we talked about it a little bit like, okay, what was the issue? What are we afraid of? Blah, blah, blah. We made reservations again. We went back a second time and had a really great time, but but I just think it's it's important to share different stories from different people's journeys about like 
you know, people listen to the Love Lab podcast. They talk, they listen to us talk about how we met at a sex party and all the different things that we've done. And they just, oh, you guys have just always been, you know, amazing at it. And you've never, it's like, no, I literally showed up to a sex club and chickened out and didn't go in. (laughs) Right. You know, that's, we all have some sort of story like that, some sort of journey of the ups and downs of stuff that went really well. That was the most, I've had profound experiences with people I didn't even know at a sex party. And then I've had experiences where I walked away and was like, that was terrible. I hope that never happens again, right? You know, and that's all part of the journey. So I want to I wanna do a quick break to our sponsors, but then I want to dive into Please Me and then all the things that it required you to do once you created Please Me. So research suggests that CBD products may improve libido by reducing anxiety. You know, if you're too anxious to go to a sex party or things like that. And no, it is not to get you high. It's not psychoactive. Actually, a recent survey of 5,398 Americans from Remedy Review, a website that focuses on CBD and natural health remedies, found that 9.3% of respondents have taken CBD for sex. So the majority of those respondents say that their orgasms were more intense after taking CBD. So if you are interested in experimenting with CBD in your sex life, we have found a top quality CBD product for you. Their full spectrum CBD comes from premium sustainably farmed hemp plants, which are processed in the United States. Plus they have no harmful solvents, chemicals, toxic compounds, or impurities. So to get you up to 51% off while the supplies last, go to selinremy.com forward slash go forward slash CBD or uh, click on the link below in the description. Again, it's selinremy.com forward slash go forward slash CBD. So Heather, you said that, okay, the dissatisfaction was so high that you were like, I need to start to explore and find myself. You started to dumble around, look around, try a few things, go on that Tinder date. And then one day you have like a dream or a download, you're getting this, this inspiration to maybe you're not looking what you're not finding what you're looking for. So you must create it. So tell us a little bit what happened. And then the journey from there, once you decided I'm going to commit to creating this platform for everyone. Now I need to show up for everyone and myself included. Yeah, that's the case. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happened. (laughs) So, um, yeah, the dream was like eight years ago. And I, to your point, I stared at it for five years wondering why me, why sex? I'm the most sexually repressed person I know. I still, I hadn't, hadn't had that uh, experience with the Tinder date yet. I did buy the blue dildo, you know, so I think <laughs> that triggered something in me. But then I wasn't sure if, um, number one, I knew it was going to take a lot of money. I was going to raise, have to raise a million dollars at a minimum. And that was seven years ago. And I thought, is society ready for it? Am I ready for it? Am I going to feel comfortable talking about this? I mean, the whole reason to build it was to have my anonymity around my sexuality. And the ironic thing is, in order to give that anonymity and privacy to everyone else, I've had to give up mine to share my story, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was a big journey um, because the first two years, uh, we started building it in December of 2017. And it wasn't until I really started building Please Me that my real journey, I say that meaning here and there I was dabbling, right? Like, let me, 
okay, today I, I've decided I'm going to look into this. And then weeks would go by, months would go by. You know, it wasn't like I dedicated myself and said, that's it. I'm taking myself on. I'm doing this. I actually climbed Mount Kilimanjaro um, in 2016. And on that trek up 19,341 feet, I decided it was time to leave my fear on the mountain and come back down and plan and build this company. And so I spent a year in kind of taking everything that I had been thinking about over the last four or five years into a plan. And, um, and then we went out and raised some funds. And when we got our first investor for $100,000, we kicked off the design of the actual technology, the writing of the, they call a BRD and an SRS, which tells the builders what to build, um, that we, we began actually making the technology. And so through that, I had to learn just in order to have a company what it is that I was going to be building the number one aggregator for. Like if I'm aggregating things, then I need to know everything that's out there so that everything can be here. And I'm so grateful that I did that because that was what really allowed me to find my way. And now, and it's, it's important, I think, to share the, the relevance of only having five orgasms in 10 years, I liked sex. I had sex every night with my partner. Like I, it wasn't a lack of sex that was driving my lack of orgasm. And it wasn't a lack of libido. And it wasn't that my partner didn't have a functioning unit. And it wasn't that they had a low libido. We were very active. And so I think just having that place to find what we were looking for and be able to learn how to communicate that, uh, find what makes me feel good and learn how to communicate that. And then knowing what I don't like has also been eye-opening because as you go and explore certain things, just because you're exploring it doesn't mean you're uh, endorsing it Mm -hmm. and saying, this is what I like and want. It's only through experimenting with it that you decide if something is right for you or wrong for you. I tell people I'm a trisexual. I'll try anything twice. (laughs) Like just see if that's something that's right for me, because until I do, how do I know? As long as it doesn't, you know, hurt other people or it's in line with my core values and integrity. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that has been so, you know, critical to my journey. I think that's a huge point that you just made. And it's so relevant because we're talking about journeys, right? And and the journey, which is that I think some people are afraid to try things because they think if, if I do this, people are going to think I'm that, right? If I try this thing, people are going to think I'm gay or people are going to think I'm bi or people are going to think I'm kinky or whatever it is. And I love that what you just said, which is that you're just trying it on because you don't really know what you like and what you don't like until you've actually tried it. And we're the same way. We've tried all kinds of different stuff, you know? And it's like, there are some things that we look back and go, you know, we're glad we did that when we were younger. It's not for us and awesome. And there are other things we're like, wow, boy, are we glad we found that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. If you don't go searching, how are you ever going to be glad when you do find it? You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't find you usually. That's what I would say Mm -hmm. is that, Unless you do find that one person who cracks you open, like you mentioned earlier. And there, I'm sure, are people that would say, well, that is my journey. That is what happened to me. I met a partner who was very sexually free, and little by little, they opened my eyes up to a world that never existed. But I don't think that that's 
how it happens for everyone. I think a lot of people tend to decide to venture out yeah. and, and hear a story about a friend that did something and go, well, maybe I would want to consider that too. Yeah. I don't even think it happens for most. I yeah. think that that's more of an isolated case where that happens. I think the, the, the more norm is people just stumbling their way and finding things and going about mm-hmm. their own journey. So, we are on Please Me, that platform, and if you've never heard of it, we'll put the link down below in the description for people. It's really fun to try it out. And the concept is that, and, and Heather, of course, tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm just going to give a, give a big overview for our listeners. Basically, it's a platform where people can be totally anonymous and explore sexuality, and there's different worlds, so you don't have to be exposed to everything. Let's say you really don't like BDSM and you don't want to see anything because it triggers you and you but you really like Tantra and uh, some other things. And you can choose which world you want to see. Maybe you only want very mild things rather than very explicit. So you can be like, I just want like spicing up the romance rather than full on sex. And so what Please Me allows you to do is to create this anonymous profile and to explore different worlds and then pick and choose what you like. And then you can follow people and there's people like us. So Kevin and I are on the channel and we post regularly the things that we do. And then you can start to have discussions. And then uh, Heather, I know as Please Me, you guys offer a lot of resources for people or products, things to try. So it helps people to open up a dialogue, but also to feel safe and comfortable and take a little steps or to go as edgy as they can and want because it's in the safety of being in their own home behind a computer. I want to see it all. Check every one of those boxes. (laughs) (laughs) You said it perfectly, Celine. I mean, uh, it's it's your own pace, right? Mm -hmm. We're each unique. Our fingerprints are unique. Our irises are unique. Our blood, our DNA and our sexual journey is unique. And that was one thing that was very important to me is certain things would turn me off. And I, you know, I didn't want to go on to fet life because as a person who had never experienced anything fetish before, it was scary for me to dive right in, not knowing anything and start to explore this place that I knew nothing about. And so I never went on. I mean, other than to just like went in and looked and it was kind of like your, your story about the and it's, that's nothing bad about fat life. It was just where I was at in my journey at the time didn't align with feeling comfortable going into a whole world about it. And so the anonymity, I think, is also key and critical to why we um, feel safe there because we don't want to feel judged, right? We And we know now today, especially more than ever with cancel culture and people not getting jobs because their employers looked up their Facebook and saw they play Candy Crush all day. I mean, our social lives being displayed everywhere isn't really conducive to exploring our sexuality safely, right? And so having that ability to be in your world with like-minded individuals, dabble into other worlds if you want, and say and ask questions that you have without worrying about everyone in the world seeing it gives people some, you know, latitude to, to make some of those explorations happen where if, if not for that, they might not ever, mm-hmm. right. Because of that fear. And it's real, it's real, that fear of, of sharing intimate data about yourself that you only want certain people to know. And that's not shame. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to make that distinction because it's not about being ashamed. It's about saying, I'm not ready to share that with you. 
Mm-hmm. But I am ready to share that with you, you, and you, because <laughs> I trust you and intimate data is okay to share with you. So, so this brings me, we, we've got two last questions that we want to ask. And this brings me to um, the question of, if you were going to sit down with a friend who hasn't started their real sexual journey yet, what is the first thing you would tell them? Like, what advice do you have for them? Like, okay, you're going to start your journey now. Like, what's the first thing you would tell them about starting a journey? Well, this is probably going to be boring, but I'm going to tell you what I tell everyone. And that is write down what your core values are around sex and sexuality. What is it that you believe right now? Um, Because I think they drive our behaviors tremendously. You know, what we believe and what we value is, is huge. And if we have a lot of shame around sex or fear around sex, um, and we think it's bad, then I think we need to tackle that first because otherwise you're going to go into those experiences and just feel more shame and more guilt. <laughs> I mean, and beat like, yourself up pi- some more. Pi- pilot high and deep, you know, it's just going to beat yourself up some more. So I think really getting to know how do you feel about sex and sexuality, um, what part does it play in your life? I think people understanding that sex regulates hormones and hormones regulate emotions and immunity. I think it's really important to say, everybody's like, oh no, no sex in COVID. Oh, please, like more sex in COVID. (laughs) I mean, no better way to let off the anxiety and the stress and feel loved and held and safe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have, especially if you have a loving partner and get those hormones up, and counteracting the cortisol from the stress. Like otherwise we've all, you know, many of us have gained 10, 12 pounds, like, right. We stopped our ability to play tennis or I can't go dancing where I used to go dance. Like a lot of the activities that kept me physically fit were off limits. Right. And so then you got to find other things that you enjoy that keep still keep you active. And I would say number one on my list is sex. <laughs> Ours too. <laughs> I, know, I think they say um, ha- having sex burns at a calorie of a piece of apple pie. So more sex, more calorie burn too. Ask Celine why her arms are tired today from the crazy move she pulled yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you did some calisthenics in the bedroom, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So have- and then I and then I would say make a wish list. Mm. Right. What are some of the things you've always wanted to try, but never wanted to admit? (laughs) Mm. Oh yeah. You know, that's good advice. And then, and and then go for it. Right. (laughs) I would put, I would put it in order of what you fear least Mm -hmm. and what you fear most at the bottom and start with the baby steps. Mm -hmm. Do you know, it's easier, you know, what they say, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, right? Mm -hmm. So set yourself up to take a step that will encourage another one is kind of what I'm saying there. Yeah, this is great advice. Great advice, absolutely. So Heather, we have our best favorite question ever always for the end that we say for all of our guests. Tell us all, <laughs> what is your best sexual talent? Ooh, my best sexual talent. Wow, nobody's asked me that before. <laughs> hmm. I am a physical touch love language. So I actually think that one of you two, yeah, one of my one of my sexual talents is that I'm very affectionate and d- demonstrative of how I'm feeling and what I like, and that makes the other person, I think, a little more willing to do the same. And so I feel like um, when I'm in an, a sexual interaction, and now I'm with you know one part, particular partner, it. Um, 
allows for some of that um, mind eroticism to get going when you're using sensation play and touch and um, sound as well. Like I really like to get into the actual feelings behind it too. And I think that's helpful to uh, a couple set. And I, I will say I'm also very good at fellatio and I'm proud of that because I was sexually molested at five and did not like to even go anywhere near oral sex, give or take until I was like 38 and decided to overcome that, that, you know, um, tra- uh, trauma and find a way to incorporate that enjoyably. And now it's the one thing that gets me the most excited. You know, when I say excited, I mean wet. <laughs> Physical reaction that prepares me for that next step is there. So, mm-hmm. and it feels good to pleasure your partner too. I think that's a big part of it as well. Yeah. Heather, that's awesome. Um, where can people find more about you? Tell them, uh, tell our listener where they can uh, connect with you more then. Please me, of course. <laughs> please me.com with a Z. Please, yeah, please me.com with a, with a Z. I mean, I have a, a professional channel like you guys do where I speak about my thought leadership and share, you know, some of my journey. But then I have a private account that I use for my own exploration. I'm not going to tell everybody that one. <laughs> Good idea. Then I, lose, then I lose my anonymity, but I'm Heather C. Montgomery on Please Me. And um, I have a website, Heather C. Montgomery, that's more for business and speaking engagements, but it talks about, you know, where my heart is, what my core values are, what we're looking to accomplish in the world. And of course, please me social is our tags on the social media where we're constantly being repressed and taken down and deleted. But, um, where we're not is on please me.com. I mean, taken down, deleted and repressed Mm -hmm. is on please me.com. Absolutely. So go check it out. It's fun. And you might learn a thing or two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> free. Ab- <laughs> free, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, you know, one thing that we haven't mentioned thus far is, through all of this is that I think a platform like Please Me is even more needed today than ever before. And it was really needed before, but more so now because of the massive censorship that we are seeing everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so thank you for creating a place that is sex positive, that is about learning and exploring and is safe and gives you anonymity if you need it and all of that stuff, because it's really, really needed in this world. Oh, my pleasure. I wish it was there when I was growing up. And I think it's worth mentioning 21 and over Mm -hmm. is the age bracket for Please Me, um, because we wanted to make sure we could keep that censorship free and have it be a place where adults can be adults. Um, and so, yes, that is part of the, uh, don't go if you're not old enough yet, youngsters, we'll, we'll figure out a way to be <laughs> a separate platform, but, um, okay. So that's where they should go. Everyone under that age is awesome. Also it's for online, um, anonymous connection with coaches and therapists, and it's for kids going through uh, high school and older. And it's a great resource. What that. was that one called again? It's called O-K-A-Y-S-O, O-K-S-O. All yeah. right. And it's free. It's a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. All right. And listeners, you've got plenty of uh, resources to check out. Heather, thank you so much for sharing your story with um, just so much transparency and vulnerability. I hope it inspired people. Make sure you go check out pleaseme.com. 
I feel like we only scratched the surface of her journey because she dropped a big bomb on us right at the end and we didn't have time to dig into it more. So maybe we'll have you back on the show part two. <laughs> but in any case, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. And that's all the time we have for this episode. Uh, do you want to just say goodbye to the listeners before we're gone? Oh, it's just such a pleasure to be with both of you today. And thank you to your listeners for hearing my journey. And, and it was uh, fun talking with y'all. Awesome. Thank you again. And everybody, thank you for tuning into the Love Lab podcast. That's all the time we have for this episode. And we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>